Well, good morning. We're still morning. How you doing? Oh, that good, huh? <laughs> Man, I'm doing good. I'm struggling for Jesus today. I forgot my extra pair of socks, so my socks got baptized, and I'm... <laughs> I'm not, not wearing socks because I just got back from vacation, so it's not... <laughs> I used to know a preacher who wouldn't wear socks all the time, and he was weird. That's not me. I just want to get it out there. It's not Bill Balance. I, anyway, I named him. Y'all ready? Start a brand new sermon series today called One Spirit, the little montage that you saw just a moment ago, and even the picture that's on the screen before you is this church's heritage, the first spirit-filled work in Charlotte, North Carolina, it's a heritage we stand on, we celebrate. But friend, I got news for you. God is not out of power. Hmm. In 33 AD, 1,900 years, 989 years ago, the Holy Spirit was given to the believers on the day of Pentecost. 505 years ago, a man named Martin Luther, led by the Holy Spirit, attached the 95 theses to the doors of a church, and the Reformation began. 287 years ago, a man named Jonathan Edwards preached a message titled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. The message was said to have been preached in a very monotone fashion, yet it started a revival called the Great Awakening that lasted 20 years. It closed bars, and it changed the landscape of America. 116 years ago, on the West Coast, a revival broke out bringing the full power, the gifts, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit to the forefront again at a place called Azusa Street, a little house on Bonnie Bray Road. Interestingly enough, it was led by a man named William Seymour, a black brother who was not allowed to sit in the teaching with his other white brothers and sisters just a couple of months before in Kansas. Yet, God touched him and revival broke out at Azusa. When are we going to learn to stop seeing color? 92 years ago, a man named Alfred Gar came to Charlotte to start a spirit-filled work, and he had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at Azusa Street. You see, one spirit connects us all. He started this work in 1930, and it continued on for 87 years. Ten years ago, my wife and I were called to plant Mint Hill Community Church. On a Saturday, over uh, 11 years ago, my dad passed away, and on Sunday morning, God spoke to her and I both at the same time these words, take hope to Mint Hill. We obeyed the call. Started a church in an elementary school, then a high school, then a storefront. The church turned five years old, and a man named Randy Briscoe, who was my youth pastor and the pastor at Guard Church, had breakfast with me. And together we decided that Guard Church and Mint Hill Community Church could do greater things united than we ever could apart. And on five years ago, Mother's Day, 2017, Greater Life Church was born. One spirit brought us together.
in a society of churches that are splitting almost weekly, we learn of another one. There's still a merger anointing when the Holy Spirit gets involved. Amen? Hmm. Each one of these moves were moves of God. They were spirit-led, spirit-empowered, and miraculous to say the least. Yet God is not done with us yet. At Greater Life, we have this history that goes back over 90 years. But more importantly, we are the body of Christ, the church that has a history that goes back 2,000 years. Today, we begin this new series called One Spirit. The church today is built upon the foundation that is Jesus Christ himself. However, it is made possible, empowered, inspired, anointed, taught, expanded, equipped, enabled, and united by the Holy Spirit. It is God's plan, it is God's wisdom, and it is God's purpose that the Holy Spirit be active and moving in the church today. The Spirit was sent on the day of Pentecost, Pentecost, and one of the most divisive things in church history and even today, the thing that divides more denominations and more believers is what they view the Holy Spirit to be. The Holy Spirit is not a thing, it's not a what, it's not a ghost, it's not a power, it's not a vibe, it's not an energy. It is the third person of the Trinity, and the Holy Spirit is God. Anything less cheapens who the Holy Spirit is. Notice I said who he is, not what he is. Scripture shows us that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. How can the Holy Spirit have a personality that can be grieved if it's just a what, a thing, a power? The thing that has driven the church in America today so far away from the purity and the, and the necessity and the, and the simpleness of the gospel is that they have removed the Holy Spirit from the conversation. And when you remove the Holy Spirit from the conversation, something will fill that vacuum, and it's called humanism, and it's called materialism, and it's called somebody got in charge and started writing their own scripture to what they wanted it to be. See, if we were truly submitted to the work of the Holy Spirit, we would never fall away in such a way that we have in the American church. The Holy Spirit is our source for understanding. He tells us who Jesus is. He tells us what Jesus taught. He helps us understand the word. He is our source of conscience, of conviction. The Holy Spirit provides the, the power for the follower of Jesus to live a Christian life. Today we begin with this sermon series, One Spirit, with the simplest of all. Something that there is no argument. The topic is one gospel. If you have your note sheet today, I encourage you to write down and to fill in the blanks as we go along. One Spirit brought us one gospel. And anytime we get away from the purity of the one gospel, we have found ourselves in dangerous territory. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together in your presence. I thank you that the Holy Spirit is here with us. Holy Spirit, have your way. Teach us. Move among this room. Stir our hearts. Make yourself known. And help us, O oh God, to see your goodness today. May we be changed from the inside out by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I didn't do it on purpose, but notice in my prayer, there was the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all there. I prayed to one God, 
Three persons. We baptized in the name of the Father and His Son, Jesus, and in the Holy Spirit because it's one God and three persons. Pastor, how in the world does that work? I don't know. Y'all want to get into some deep theological discussion? Talk to somebody else. I just know that the Bible tells me what it is. And I believe it by faith. Some people are so easy and quick to believe that we can be saved. Salvation that comes from the cross of Jesus Christ. And yet when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, we go, what? How? When? Where? Can I tell you that it takes faith to follow the Lord God? Amen? But boy, there's no other life that I'd rather be living today. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 10, we see the Apostle Paul fussing at one of his churches. The Apostle Paul was a church planter, and each time of these letters we see, he's telling them, instructing them, you got it wrong, here's where you get it right. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 10, we read, I am shocked. <laughs> it don't take long to turn on the news or to pull up your social media feed to get shocked today. But can I also tell you that there is something out there in our world and in our society that we have become so numb to evil, to sin, that we're hardly ever shocked anymore. I'm shocked, Paul says, that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Verse 8, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again, what we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than they, then the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. I tell you, the Apostle Paul was one bold dude. We talk about stepping on toes. He's stepping all over you. Just lay down and he's just doing a dance on the jig all over you. He's going to offend you unless your heart's in the right place. Today, I want to preach a message to you that is the way that I understand it, the way that I've been studying it, and the way that I believe from personal experience. I want to preach a message to you that I hope you take away and you consider these things. There may be some in this room that have a different opinion or a different version or something that they have grabbed onto previously in their lives, but I want you to know what I'm telling you today is in the Word of God, and I'm going to show you that. There is only one gospel, number one. There is only one true gospel. The word gospel means good news, and it is good news to those that are destined to hell as long as they receive it. There is only one true gospel. On your note sheet, the first thing I want you to understand and see is that fools fall away. Fools fall away. I'm going to start with a hot topic right out of the gate with both guns a-blazing, so to speak. 
in Christendom and in denominations, there is this idea called eternal security or eternal salvation. Now listen to this preacher. There are things that are essential in the gospel message. Jesus Christ died on a cross, rose from the dead, born of a virgin, virgin, and he is the only way to the Father. That is it. That is a non-negotiable, that is an essential. Eternal security is something that is considered, in my belief, non-essential. Let me tell you why. Because if you believe that eternal security is a thing, I'll explain it in a minute, then I believe that I'll see you someday in, G in, in heaven. However, it means the world to someone that's living in sin and used to have a relationship with God because they think they're okay. Friend, I don't want you to mistake. This comes from personal experience. This comes from testimony. It comes from scripture. Fools fall away. The shock that Paul had was the backsliding and the walking away from the faith from the believers in the Galatian church. This was a letter to believers. And he called them out on it. You have believed something that is not true. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 20 through 22 says this. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, let's talk about eternal security, people become Christians. When people become Christians, they are now in the family of God. They now have a destiny in heaven. Peter continues on. And then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again. They are worse off than before. What are they talking about? Someone has given their heart to Christ. Someone has made a decision to follow him. And then they get tangled up in sin before. They are worse off than they were. That means their destiny is not eternal life, but eternal damnation. See, here at Greater Life Church, we keep track of salvations, rededications, water baptisms, because we want God to just continue to bless what's doing. We think every number is a soul, and that counts. Rededications to us are very important because we believe that that rededication saved that person from hell as much as that salvation did. Come on. Who, who in their right mind can make a decision to follow Christ at seven years old and then never ever live like he means anything to you and expect eternal reward? The pride that's within that person. Jesus said they will know you by your fruit. Friend, if you got rotten fruit, then they don't know you. I'm sorry, I know I've been on vacation. I missed a Sunday and I'm hyper-aggressive today. <laughs> verse 21, Peter says, in the same text in, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, it would be better that they had never known the way of righteousness than to know it and then reject it. Reject the command they were given to live a holy life. Do you see what Peter's saying? The command was given to live a holy life. Give your heart to Christ and change there's got to be a change. It's called sanctification, and it's going to take your whole life. Each and every day, you got to ask yourself. Each and every week, you come into church, you got to say, am I closer to God than I was last week? Am I living in a way that I'm leaning in toward he's called me to be, or I'm still falling and doing the same stupid things that I've been doing my whole life? You see, God didn't save you from your sin to leave you in your sin. 
But sometimes we just, be, we just become okay with it. Well, I've always had this problem, Pastor. I might as well just settle with it. No, you don't have to settle. The devil is a liar. You can be free. These five people that walked in this tank today can tell you that. The fools fall away. One of the other things about falling away is people following a twisted version of the gospel. You do you. You have your truth. Listen, there is no truth but this. You, you want to have your truth? You're going to carry that all the way into eternity in hell. This is the truth. And the truth doesn't change. Amen? The, there is only one true gospel. Thank you. I'm going to write down who that was that started that and give him a gift card to greater grounds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do so good, and then I get to get off, get distracted. I tell you what. Okay, here we go. False gospels. Number, uh, the second thing under there is only one true gospel. False gospels are full of holes. They're full of holes. False gospels are full of holes. Listen. Paul said, if anyone were to teach you a gospel unlike the one we teach you, even if it's an angel from heaven, follow me. You want to go on a little trip with me? Guess where Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, got his gospel from an angel that was called Moroni. Now, it's pronounced Moroni, but I like to say Moroni. Guess where the founder of Islam, a prophet named Muhammad, self-proclaimed, got his gospel from the angel Gabriel. And I say that because it was not the angel of Gabriel. My Bible says that the devil parades around like an angel of light. I'm going to tell you right now that I believe Satan himself or one of his stupid minions stood before Muhammad and fooled him for 20 years. Muhammad said, 20 years I saw the angel Gabriel giving me the Quran. It's full of holes. That's a false gospel. Paul dealt with false gospel in his days. It was called Gnosticism. The idea of Gnosticism said, you have a physical body that's it's, it's, it's useless. It's unholy. Only your spiritual man you need to worry about, which means you can do whatever you want with your physical body and not affect your spiritual man. You can sleep around. You can eat whatever you want. You can run around whatever you want. You can put whatever you want in your body, drugs, alcohol, whatever the case may be. You can do whatever you want with your body, but it doesn't affect your spirit man. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus didn't die for just one piece of you. He died for all of you. That body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. You better take care of it. The third thing under one true gospel is false security is found. It's terrible. Certainly there was a pandemic that we went through, but can I tell you the greatest pandemic that we're still going through is the pandemic of lies. False security is found when you compromise the gospel for a time period. Oh, no, the, the, the Bible was written to, to that certain time period. God doesn't expect us to live like that. 
Oh, you know, the Bible talks about sexual immorality and being pure and holy before the Lord, but God doesn't expect us to be pure and holy before him. Everybody's hooking up with everybody. God doesn't expect me to live in, a, in the way that the timeless truths of the gospel say I need to live. You can't compromise the gospel for a time period. I just went through thousands of years and how there was one spirit, one gospel that was flowing through all of it. I put it to you this way. You obey your parents at five years old, you better obey your parents at 15 too. Well, that was 10 years ago, mom. Dad, you can't expect me to obey you today. Can I tell you what you will do as a parent when that happens? I done told you. Under my roof, under my roof, can I go all there? That little five-year-old, you know, they, they're ornery. They're getting on your nerve. But that 15-year-old, whoop! They're big enough. They're standing here. Ah! My kids never did any of this. Any of this. And I didn't either. Y'all could tell my mother. She's not here. You can tell my mother. Anyway. Compromising the gospel for the places that it is preached. Nothing, 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 nothing upsets me disheartens me that American pulpits are full of a gospel that cannot be preached in the slums of South America. A gospel that says, God wants you to have all this wealth. And they don't even have a meal to eat before they go to bed. You see, if the gospel can't be preached in the jungles and in the, and, and in the villages and in, the, in U- war-torn Ukraine, then it ain't the gospel. Certainly, I believe God wants to bless you, but as soon as you made it about money, you got wrong. <laughs> How about when we compromise the gospel? For the sake of the people's approval. Mm. I was joking around with somebody not too long ago. Matter of fact, it was today. <laughs> if I was smart, I would have said not too long ago, then these poor people would know I wouldn't be talking about them right now from the platform. But it's first time here at Greater Life Church, and I don't even know where they're sitting. I'm not going to look. I said, hey, how are you kind of thing? And, I said, hey, sit near the door in case I make you mad. Y'all can get out pretty easy. (laughs) Uh, Joking completely, of course. But I'd be lying if that never happened to me. I used to go home sometimes. I'd tell Kelly, I'm so upset that day. You see that new family at church today, and they walked out halfway through the sermon. What in the world's going on with these people? She said, don't be upset. Sometimes people don't like to be in a place where they feel convicted. They just want to settle with their sin. They want to settle with where they are. And if you come here every Sunday and you never feel a little bit of something going on in your spirit, then I'm missing it. Compromising the gospel for the people's approval. Let me just talk to you for just a minute. How far have we fallen? To make your relationship with God more about your sexual preference and the way you identify than who Jesus is. It ain't about you. 
It's about who he is. Amen? It's about how he made you. It's about what he put into you. It's about his spirit. Your identity comes from Christ. Identify as a child of God in need of a savior to walk away from sin. How quickly have we moved from stay out of our bedroom, we ain't going to try to indoctrinate your kids to, oh, guess what? We're indoctrinating your kids. Church, it's not a bigoted thing to, treat, to preach the truth. It's a loving thing in the right spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul continues. We're going into number two. Number two is there is unity in the one true gospel. Therefore, a prisoner for serving the Lord beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Whoo, that'll preach. Ephesians chapter 4, there is unity in the one true gospel. First of all, if we get the right attitude, it will bring unity. Paul talks about a little humility and gentleness and patience goes a long way. I just preached to you the unadulterated black and white of sin and holiness. And now I'm going to tell you that church, we got to get past the place where we beat up on people that slip and fall. The question may have come in some of your hearts. Pastor, how come, how come Pastor Andrew don't address all of these denominations or, or, or famous preachers that have fallen? Because it's not my responsibility. They're not under me. And even if they were, I probably would have handled it differently before you. Let me tell you something. Brian Houston and Hillsong Church, we need to pray for them. Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill Church that fell some time ago, we need to pray for them. We have got to get a place, church family, with getting beyond where we get back from people that have fallen and slipped away far enough. You know why you're stepping away? You're stepping away far enough to, so the stone that you throw doesn't bounce back and hit you. We have got to stop kicking people when they're down and love them and extend a hand. I know you messed up, brother. I know you messed up, sister. But there is one spirit and one gospel, and I've fallen and been forgiven, and I want to reach down and help you get up again in Jesus' name. Can we be known for our patience and our love and our restoration that happens in ministry? I need second chances, and so do all of you. These people that hit the headlines, God, help them. Please help them. The devil and the kingdom of darkness love it when people fall like that. Oh, look, we got another one. Put it on the news. Make a documentary out of it. Woe is us. And preachers rush to pulpits to address the headlines. I'm telling you, man, if I preached the headlines, I would never get to this. 
well, what about the political thing that happened? And what about the crime spree? And what about this? Let me tell you something. What about this? Let's get spirit-led and preach that. Hallelujah. Right attitude. Attitude that leans toward forgiveness. The right focus brings unity. When the unity that we have, it comes from peace. Jesus, Jesus declared us himself called us to be peacemakers. It is not a passive term when he preached that on the Sermon on the Mount. Peacemakers is go and get it. Go and make peace. When there's a conflict, when there's an issue, don't sit there and pout and be bitter and stay home. Go and fix it. Go in humility and try to get some peace in that. And when you try and it doesn't happen, you have tried. And Jesus says, blessed are you, peacemaker. Unity that comes from the power of the Spirit. <laughs> can I just put this out there? Only the Holy Spirit can unify the church. You know why? Because the church is full of people. And people crazy. <laughs> but man, when we get out the way and let the Holy Spirit be, be who he is, there is unity in the body. Amen? How about the right position that brings unity? A position that is always clear. There's no room for confusion behind the word one. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Somebody just told me not that long ago, they saw a church building that had multiple doors. And each door had a different symbol above it from a different religion or a different movement. And then it had a sign across these doors that all roads lead to the same God. Nothing could be further from the truth. How many millions and millions of people are going to be fooled to believing that they're safe in their belief system? The right attitude, the right position. We've got to be clear about that. Position is always second behind the shadow of the cross. The next text, the number three, there is only one Savior. Only one Savior. Ephesians 4, 7 through 10 says, when, uh, However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a, a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens. Ooh, this part's good. So that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Wrap your head around that. Listen, in order to help you wrap your head around that, I went to study. I said, I'm going to find out what they've discovered scientifically on how big the universe is. And I started Googling it, and I started finding out, and I started digging in, and I started reading stuff, and then there was a bunch of numbers involved, and I said, you know what? I'm just going to tell them the universe is big. <laughs> so, I'm going to take another step. The universe is really big. And my Bible says, ooh, ooh. 
so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. That's crazy. It's almost like I just need to, I mean, an old Pentecostal jig, because to think of how big God is and how generous he is. There's only one Savior, and he's a generous Savior. He gave us a special gift of mercy, and guess what mercy is? It's not getting what you deserve. My goodness. He gave us even more than that. The judgment has been taken on our behalf by Christ. Then he went on and gave us the gift of grace. The gift of grace is getting what you don't deserve. Picture it. Not only are you not doomed to hell when you've received the gift of salvation and the gift of mercy, but now you've got eternal life forever and ever and ever. My goodness. Blessing and eternal life have been given on Christ's behalf to you and I. The generous Savior, Savior gives us a special gift of blessing. Blessing that will come for eternity, salvation that lasts for eternity. But can I tell you, your salvation has ramifications and benefits and blessing in the here and in the now. I'm not telling you that you're not going to have any problems. You're going to have problems. But you know what you will have? You'll have the power of the Holy Spirit to help you walk through them. And I've tried walking through problems without it. And I've tried walking through problems with it. And I'm telling you, it's much better when you got the power of the Holy Spirit helping you. Amen? It's a lonely place to try to fix your life without God's help. Can I tell you? I don't know how old you are, but you can just put those years in there, and you can never, ever, ever fix your life unless you get God involved. 2 Corinthians 1.20 tells us that all of God's promises, say all. What does all mean? Yes, good. You know how we do word studies around here? All in the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic and Spanish and Latin and all these things. It means all. All of God's promises are yes in Christ. <laughs> Isn't he good? The accessible Savior. Y'all put your ears on for just a minute. Christ lowered himself so we could be elevated. Christ put on flesh so we could put on glory. Christ made the impossible possible, giving us access to the Father again. My favorite part, this whole, part about this whole message is this next passage that we'll talk about how he is the transcendent Savior. The transcendent Savior. Colossians chapter 1. I have it up there? Yep, good. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. If you ever have any doubt how awesome Jesus is, you need to go back to this passage again and again. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 says that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything 
in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all, who rise from the dead. He is the first in everything. Jesus Christ is awesome. <laughs> I am blown away with how humanity, instead of worshiping the God of the Bible, have created God in their own image. I want God to look like this or to say this is okay or to be this or to be that. And what we've done is it's a spirit of idolatry and it's brought us to a place that we write the own gospel that we want. And I'm telling you, nothing could be further from the truth. That when we bring God down to us, he's no longer God anymore. When we can fully understand him, we have just entered into a place where we are prideful. I can't understand God and all of his ways. The Bible tells me I can't. And when the Bible tells me that his ways are higher than my ways, I just say, okay. I'll study and learn all I can, Lord, but I know that it, there's going to be an end to my understanding in this life. And then Paul, Paul says that we live today in that looking through a glass darkly, but someday we will look as in face to face. What does that mean? That means that when we get our glorified body, we also have a glorified mind and we'll be able to understand things that we never could understand here. Think of eternity and learning more about God and who he is every day. For years upon years upon millennia and never running out of new things to discover. <laughs> Come on. Why? Because he fills the whole universe with himself. The last few verses of this text are found in 19 and 20 through 22. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. Verse 21. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. I pray today that everyone in this room, before they walk out, this verse and this scripture will apply to you. You might have walked in here distant from God, separated by your evil thoughts and actions. Pastor, I'm a good person. Mm. There is no one good. No, not one. But God wants you to be reconciled through Christ. Has everyone in this room today accepted the one gospel as truth and given room for Jesus to become their Lord and Savior? The second question, is everyone in this room today 
Maybe you've been guilty of falling away, as we've discussed at the beginning of this message. Here at Greater Life, we, we keep record as best as we can of people that have made a commitment in salvation, people that are baptized, people that are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and people that rededicate their lives, rededications. You see, we believe that rededications are as good as salvation, and I'll tell you why. Because if the scriptures are true, as according to what we've looked at today, that there are people that had once a relationship with God. Let me answer this question. Nobody loses their salvation. It's not a set of keys. You can't lose it, but you can walk away from it and deny it. And I know people that had vibrant relationships with Jesus Christ and said, you know what, God? I want nothing to do with you anymore. And I'm telling you, in my heart, I'm grieved because I believe when that person, when that person meets the judgment, if they haven't made it right, they will go to hell. And it breaks my heart. So when we count rededications, we celebrate it as if there was another one snatched out of the gates of hell. It's important. So if you're here today, I want you to consider those two questions. Have you not made a relationship and a commitment to follow Jesus Christ? Ever before. Secondly, you did one time, but there's been no change in your life. You walked away from him. The quote unquote fruit that you're supposed to have is rotten to the core. There had been no change. I pray that humility would rule in this room right now and that lives would be changed. If you're here today and say, Pastor, pray for me, I'm in one of those two categories. I've either never received Jesus Christ or I've walked away from him and I'm not sure if I were to die today where I would be. If that's you, then I want you just to slip that hand up. Everybody's looking around, it's okay. Slip that hand up, we're just gonna pray together. One of those two things, I see that hand. Yes, anybody else? A little humility goes a long way. I see that hand, come on. I see that hand, you can put it down. Thank you, after I didn't recognize you. Anybody else? That's three, come on. Anybody else? I'm not sure. I see that hand, yes sir. Anybody else? I see that hand, yes. Anybody else? I'll wait like five more seconds. Have your way, Lord. Hallelujah. Four, three, two. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now would you bow your heads with me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Church family is an act of solidarity and standing with those that raise their hands, praying with those that raise their hands. Would you just repeat this prayer after me, all of us together? For those of you that raised your hands, understand. This is a commitment you made between you and God. And I believe the Holy Spirit's gonna do a work in your heart and your life right now. Let's pray, church. Dear Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm not sure about my spiritual condition right now. I am a sinner that needs forgiveness. I believe you died for me. You rose from the dead. 
and I receive the gift of salvation that comes from you. Change my life from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen.